the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Our vision for New Direction is that we are a church, a disciple-making church that makes disciples who reach their full potential in Christ through the life-changing word. We are a disciple-making church that makes disciples through the life-changing word of God so that we can reach our full potential in him. I want to make a recommendation today. Give yourself a Sabbath from the news. Give yourself a break <laughs> from watching the news today. It's exhausting. Uh, we want to continue to pray for our country. Uh, we want to thank the Lord uh, for how faithfully uh, the members at New Direction have uh, been in giving and, and supporting the work of the Lord. We want to continue uh, to be committed uh, to being obedient to the Lord in our giving. Uh, I want you to also know that ministry is occurring. Uh, we still have Wednesday night Bible study each week. Uh, we're live streaming that. Uh, and the focus has been on the topic, the language of a leader and how pertinent and relevant that topic is at a time such as this. Don't we need leadership? Uh, join us and invite others to, to be a part of that powerful study from the word of God of the language of a leader, the ways, the characteristics of, of leaders that are godly. We also, uh, the, the Christ Strong Men's Ministry met this morning uh, by way of Zoom. I'm so sorry I was unable to join you. Uh, I know that Without Walls Ministries uh, is uh, providing a monthly cross-cultural training and evangelism. Uh, I know that other ministries are contacting and interacting with their teams. And so please uh, join us, um, call your ministry leaders. Uh, there may be something that you can do uh, that would make a difference uh, during a time such as this. Uh, we are going to be uh, having a town meeting, town hall meeting by stream at the end of the month. So uh, mark your calendar for that at 1115 to update you on our incremental plan for returning to the building for worship. And I want to thank the Lord for the wisdom of the elders as they have assisted me in coming up with, I, with what I believe is a great plan that will help you to feel uh, safe and secure as we come together uh, in one place again. Uh, now I invite you to turn in your copy of the Word of God to uh, Acts chapter 4, and actually the passage is verses 32 through 37, and uh, I'm going to read the last verse uh, that was not read. Um, speaking of Barnabas, it says, sold a field he owned and brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. He put it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We bless you today. We, we are so grateful that you are ever present, that you really are a help in the time of our troubles. God, we thank you that you are keenly aware of every single detail that is occurring in each one of our lives and as we are joining together in prayer, we know that heaven is listening. 
and that what is available to us in heaven are the answers for man's problems on earth. And so God bless us, ministers to us through your word, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Uh, our, our focus today continues to be on the topic of being the church. Jesus said, I will build my church, my ecclesia, and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is still building his church. Uh, recently, I read an article uh, in the San Diego Tribune. Uh, it was entitled, An Unlikely Hero. Uh, the, the name of the hero was Johnny Blue. His profession was, uh, he's a physical therapist. And like us, he was just trying to make the best out of his life as he navigated through COVID-19. But after reading stories of people hoarding necessities like toilet paper, the 33-year-old physical therapist took to the streets with a simple message adorned to a cardboard sign. Share your toilet paper. Read the sign that Blue held as he stood in the middle of a busy intersection in San Diego. He said, it just inspired me to remind people, listen, if you have a lot of something, that probably means that there are people who probably don't have very much of it. Because you, because you took it all, the community responded immediately and enthusiastically. Drivers would stop by and hand over uh, to, to uh, Johnny, they would hand him rolls of toilet tissue. And no sooner had he collected it uh, in the opposite direction, a new driver would pull up and say he didn't have any or she didn't have any. And then he would pass the toilet tissue on as, as, as soon as he got it, it was uh, being gobbled up uh, as quickly as he could take the, take the donations. And in that way, he met, he met a very practical need uh, that turned out to be a genuine blessing in the lives of others when, when people were just scooping up all of the uh, san everything that had to do with uh, 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 hand washers and, and disinfectants and, and the, ma the major item was toilet tissue. Now, after reading this story, I was reminded that in times of crisis, when others are tempted to hoard, God's people have an opportunity to build community by sharing basic needs with those around us. One of the most natural things to do when resources are scarce is to grab up everything that we can find for ourselves. And of course, we pray for all of the latecomers in the name of Jesus. When we look back at the history of the church, we discover that the church gave more when institutions and others were looking for ways to give less. In order to be the church, we must understand, and here's the thought for today, 
Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Listen at the words that are recorded in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Here's what the word of God says. All of the believers were of one mind and heart. No one claimed that anything of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. They shared everything they had. Sharing is caring. That's how we can be the church. We ain't in a building. We've learned already that the building is not the church. But the body of Christ, wherever you are, if you have trusted Christ as Savior, that's where the church is. The Bible actually says you are the temple of God in that the, his spirit dwells in you. And if any man defiles the temple, we understand that God said, I will destroy that which you defile. But the point is that we are the house that God lives in, in the person of the Holy Spirit. So wherever you are, that's where the church is. And so the church, whether we're gathered in one place or scattered, we don't cease to be the church. But the church is never the place where we meet, but the people that meet in the place wherever we are meet. Now, why should Christians care enough to share when others are hoarding and, and the grocery prices are skyrocketing and people are being laid off from their jobs and uh, we don't know when the economy is going to stabilize again and uh, the Dow Jones has been uh, very unpredictable and one week it's up, the next week it's about to crash. How? Why should Christians care enough to share when everyone naturals, when our natural instinct is to get all we can for ourselves. Let me just share the first reason as we're moving towards the passage in Acts chapter four. The first reason why we should be eager and motivated to give is because the, the promise God, God gives to us provides full confidence that he will provide. The promise of God gives us full confidence that he will provide. I love the passage in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, where Paul says, And my God will provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory by or through Christ Jesus. The promise that God makes, no matter what things are happening, Externally, he said, I will provide all of your needs according to my riches through my son, Christ Jesus. So the, the promise of God gives me confidence that I can share even when things are tough. The, a second reason is the biblical principle of sowing and reaping. That should motivate a Christian to share uh, their resources, our time, our talent, our treasure. And really, as we're going to see, none of those things are ours. They are gifts from God to us as a stewardship. And the Bible says it is required of a steward to be found faithful. We're simply managing what belongs to God that he has entrusted to our care to execute his will 
according to his word. The principle of biblical sowing and reaping should motivate you to share. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, uh, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. You'll reap a harvest of blessing. And so when I'm not weary of sharing and, and serving and allowing my work to speak for my relationship with the Lord, the Lord said, in due season, at the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. And so the principle of reaping and harvesting if I obey God by sharing the resources that he's blessed me with, he says, you will reap. I will reward you. I will reward you. A third reason why Christians should be motivated when times are difficult is the privilege of supporting the work of the Lord. The it's a privilege. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Before the foundations of the world, before we even knew there was a me or a you, God had us on his mind. And Jesus said, I have chosen you before the foundation of the earth that you may bear fruit and that you would produce fruit that remains. And so it's a privilege to serve, to participate in the kingdom's work on earth. I like the way uh, King David uh or the way uh, Paul references it in Second Chronicles, Second Corinthians, chapter eight, verses two through four, it says, "In the midst of very severe trials, speaking of the speaking of the Gentile believers, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity." And then he adds, "For I testify that they gave us." Much as much as they were able, and even beyond their abilities, entirely on their own, voluntarily, they urgently, they begged us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. It's a privilege to give. It's a privilege to share those things that God has entrusted to us. The Bible says in the flesh, we cannot please God. And so when I offer to God what he's entrusted to me, he takes that which is temporal and, and, and that which is material and he supernaturally transforms it in such a way that it becomes an instrument in his, his hands, much like the two fish and the five loaves that now become a source of spiritual blessing. It is a privilege to be able to make an impact that is supernatural for the, for the kingdom of God and sharing allows for us to do that. That's why Christians do it. We understand it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Here's a, a, another reason, the power and the prompting of the indwelling Holy Spirit. This was not mandated to this group the Bible says they were in extreme poverty and they were going through a, a, an extraordinary testing. 
And yet in the midst of their poverty and extenuating circumstances, Paul says they begged us to give because they understood that it was a privilege. And then in verse five, it says, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Now he's talking about the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit that draws a person out of sin into the ark of salvation and once we get saved, we will surrender to spiritual leadership. And so what he's saying is when the spirit of God is allowed to do his work in us, it is a, it is a supernatural reflex that God will prompt us to share with others. It's only Christian to share. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, it's only uh, it's a, it is for a Christian sharing is as natural as breathing is to our bodies. It's incongruent, inconsistent. It, it, it's, a, it's an oxymoron to say that you are a Christian, but you don't feel compelled to share. The power of the Holy Spirit prompts us through his indwelling ministry. The Holy Spirit resides in us. He lives in us. And he moves on our heart to be difference makers. We are our brother's keepers. We are the good Samaritan. We are the light. We are the salt. We, we are those who are always looking for opportunity to show acts of kindness and genera uh, generosity. Passing it forward is not a secular concept, it's always been true of the Christian community when we are yielded to the Spirit of God. Here's another reason why Christians should, should give when things are difficult and we don't know when uh, 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 the external events around us are gonna, going to calm down. The proof of, sound, of spirituality is revealed through our sharing. The scripture says, what, wherever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. What you love, you will give to. The more you love something or someone, the more you will give to them. The greatest, one of the greatest indicators of where you are right now spiritually is how you give. That is a statement, what I contribute to makes it a declaration that I have brought into this. I am committed to this. I believe in what I am contributing to. And so if you want to know where you are spiritually, ask yourself the question, how consistently and faithfully are you giving to the work of the Lord? We can make all kinds of excuses and it's hard. It's always been hard. We can do like the, like the farmer who said uh, to his pastor, he said, uh, pastor, he, was, he was not uh, contributing anything. And so he, and the pastor said, uh, uh, I'm not trying to uh, convict you or anything like that. But question is, I, I noticed that you haven't been coming to church lately. And, and he said, you know what? Let me just say something, because I, I know how important giving is. He says, now, <clears throat> um, uh, he, he said, you know, if, if the Lord was blessing me more, I would, I would contribute to the church. And so the pastor said, what if you had 100 cows? Would you, what would you give the Lord? He said, I'd sure give the Lord 50. 
And he said, well, well, what if you had 50 horses? How many would you give? Well, oh, I'd give the Lord 25. And he said, well, what if you had two cows? Would you give the Lord one? And the man replied, oh, cut it out, Pastor. You know I only have two cows. Well, scripture makes it very clear that he who is faithful over a little will be faithful over much. And so one of the evidences of how your growth spiritually is you will, you will commit your finances that God, again, the cattle of a thousand hills belong to the Lord, the earth is the Lord, fullness of, since everything belongs to him, you are simply returning to him what actually belongs to him, and it's a matter of celebration. The scripture says that God blesses those who are cheerful in their giving. And again, the emphasis is not even only on finances. We're talking about talent, your treasure, your time. Here's the final uh, reason why we don't hesitate to give during difficult times and sharing because we want people to know that we care. It's a personal example of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, makes, it, makes us willing to be able to share with others in need. Listen to what uh, 2 Corinthians verse eight, verse, uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 9 says. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Ah, oh man, when I read that, that just blessed me. Jesus, who existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, something that he needed to gain or grasp or achieve before he took on human flesh. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the, the word was with God and the word was God, but this word became flesh. Jesus came into the world in human form. He left heaven's glory. He was he was royalty and he was besplendered. He was he was he was rich with all of heaven's uh, splendor and majesty, but he left his place in heaven to come to earth to become poor so that his poverty would result in our richness. He became poor. He gave so the example for us is, if God would love me like that, while I was yet in my sin, the least I can do is be like Jesus. Somebody say amen. Now, what does, sharing, what does a sharing church that cares look like? Now, let's go back to Acts chapter 4, uh, verses 32 through 33. In verse 32, we're going to read that again. <clears throat> the whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine. You can't have it. They shared everything. Oh, it was like, if that's the way the church will be, why do I need to work? I'll just kind of uh, uh, sponge off of the rest of Christians. Let, let, me, let me explain what this commonality of sharing was. This was not socialism. This was spontaneous sharing as the Holy Spirit moved based on individual needs. This wasn't giving to the greedy. This was giving to the needy. The first thing that a sharing church looks like, according to this verse, is 
A cheering church is united in head and heart. Write that down. United in head and heart. The scripture says they were united as one in their heart and mind, which means, here's what it means to be united. Christians are diverse, and we're going to talk about embracing diversity as a leader on, on Wednesday. You need to uh, uh, join me for that. They were different, but they were united in mind and heart, in head and heart, in hand and thought. And what that simply means is that they were committed to the same purpose, Jesus Christ. They were to the same person, Jesus Christ, committed to the same purpose, that is, finishing the work that Jesus left the church in the world to do. And they were committed to the same passion for Christ. They love Jesus. That ought to be the uniting uh, uh, epicenter that draws Christians to the focal point of what it means to be one. A, a church that is unified, believers that are committed to the person of Christ, the purpose of Christ, and the passion for Christ, there is nothing that God will not accomplish through a ministry like that. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, a house divided against itself will not stand. Satan, the, the, the first sin in heaven was pride and the pride drew, uh, uh, directed Satan to, to try to divide the loyalty of the angels towards God. He wanted to rise to the level of the most high. And so the scripture says they were united. They were united in their thoughts and united in their hearts. Their central commitment was to the person of Jesus, to the purpose of Christ, seeking to save that which is lost, make disciples that make disciples, and to love him with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. That's what unifies the church. Anything that doesn't contribute to a love for Jesus, to, to, to the person of Christ, the mission of Christ and becoming like him because of our passion, our love for him. We know that the sower of discord is none other than the enemy himself. And so we want to focus out of the lens of what the first church uh, was committed to. They were united in head and heart, committed to the person, the purpose and passion of Christ. Now I'm going to, I'm going to kind of uh, kind of um, synchronize the sermon, uh, and so just stay with me. So the first thing they were united. Secondly, they were unselfish with temporal and material possessions. They were unselfish with material, material, and temporal possessions. The Bible says no one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. They knew that everything they had was a gift from the Lord. Like Jesus, as Jesus said, you are the branches, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so they were unselfish, unselfish. They knew. Listen to what uh, King David said in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give generously as generously as this. 
Here's why he asked the question. Everything comes from you. And we have and you have given and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything that we have comes from the Lord. And so the, that car you drive, that house you live in, uh, the clothes you have on your back, even the mind that you have to make decisions, the heart that is pumping inside of your chest cavity, that the blood that's warming warm in your veins, it is a gift from God. Everything that I have is from him. And he at any moment could simply say, return, and we would drop right on the spot. I've shared this before. When we were young children, my mother would give, give me $5 to go get her uh, a birthday gift. I'm embarrassed to say she'd give me money to buy her a birthday gift. And she'd give all of us money because we never had any money. <laughs> it was just like that. But we were never broke. <laughs> if somebody had something, we all had something. Amen, amen, amen. And, uh, uh, and so she would give us uh, money to buy her gift. And then <clears throat> I would buy her gift. And I, of course, I keep 25 cents for myself. So it would be, I'd spend up to 475. And then I'd bring my mother a gift for her birthday. And then I would hand it to her. And she would act so surprised. And, oh, thank you. And she'd be so pleased and so profusive in her, her, her praise for the thoughtfulness. And how could you just do something so special. And I know it must have taken a long time. No, it really didn't. But still, I did it. And I was happy to do it for my mom because I loved her like that. But in my immaturity, I didn't understand that, that I should have been able to come up with a couple coins on my own. But in any case, she would act like she was totally surprised. And then because of her uh, uh, being uh, uh, pleased, I was happy. And it made me want to do it again. I want you to know that God is like my mother. He, he, uh, he, he entrusts us with our jobs and with and with the material things that he has temporarily given us responsibility to manage and then he asks us for a percentage of it and when you do that when you obey God and giving him a portion of what belongs to him all of it really does he's he is pleased he is pleased the Bible said he actually loves a cheerful giver what would cheer God up about getting what's, what's already his? Because that's the God of, that's the kind of God we serve. He loves when we voluntarily give back to him as we're spontaneously moved by the Spirit of God to bless others. They use whatever they, 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 they were unselfish. We should hold on to everything that we have lightly. Yeah, you worked hard for it. You did it the old-fashioned way. But everything that we see is passing away. Uh, God in, has, has in allowed me to have everything that I have for a season. It's really his. This is the house that I'm in right now belongs to him. And we need to think like that. It all belongs to him. And because it is his... He has the rightful authority to require us to do with what belongs to him whatever he chooses for us to do with it.
getting kind of quiet up in here. I, I don't hear no amens. I, I can sense it. No, I praise God. Amen. Here's another thing. <clears throat> they use whatever the, the they use whatever possessions they had to bless others in need whenever they could. They used what they had to bless others in need when they could. You can't bless somebody with what you don't have. So this is not a sermon about, oh, he's trying to put me on a guilt trip. Don't he know I'm unemployed? Don't he know I can't pay my bills? I'm not. You can't give what you don't have. And if you give it out of compulsion, God doesn't want it anyway. Scripture said he loves a cheerful giver, not those who give out of compulsion or obligation or a sense of guilt. And remember, we're not, the sermon is not about money. It's really about sharing. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a meal. Uh, other times it's dishwashing liquid. Other times it's giving somebody a, a ride to work. Sometimes it's just giving a kind word over the phone. Sometimes it's telling somebody through a text message, I'm praying for you. I'm going to push my plate aside for you. And so whenever you can, you ought to be ready and willing to bless someone in need. Isn't that how God does it for us? Aren't you glad that God is always looking out for us? Aren't you God, glad that the God that we serve doesn't give us stone when we need bread? Aren't you glad that the God that we serve said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, everything that you need, I'll add it unto you. Aren't you glad that your testimony, if you, I'm just, just be honest about this. Your testimony is David's testimony. He said, I've been young. And now I'm old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. They help people in need that were brothers and sisters in Christ. They sold some properties to use the proceeds to help Christians get out of debt. I love what Habitat for Humanity does. I love what some churches do where they purchase vehicles for single parents and, 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 and provide childcare and, and, and provide scholarship money for and, and pay for books and uniforms for people who can't afford those things. Sometimes it's buying groceries for a senior citizen without them asking you. Many of the people that are in the food lines uh, during this time of economic crises had full-time jobs. They don't want to be in the food line, but the only way they can provide nourishment for their families, they have to stand in line, and sometimes they have to do that for hours. These are people that we know. When we are being like a church that cares enough to share we will use whatever possession God has blessed us with whenever we can voluntarily to help others. Are you looking for opportunities where you can bless someone that doesn't expect it? Is there something that you have been praying about and God has put in your heart? Is there someone that you've been thinking about that you haven't seen and, and you don't know how they're doing, but you just can't get them off of your mind, 
Maybe the Lord is saying that you need to care enough to share a word of encouragement. A, a, a fourth thing is not only did they uh, use what they had to bless others, and they were unselfish and unified, but the scripture makes it very clear. They understood that the church leaders should handle the distributions of gifts to share with those in need because the leadership has the best understanding of who genuinely have, has needs and how those needs can be met. And so the scripture says they laid their contributions from the proceeds of properties and other items that they sold to meet needs voluntarily. They laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed it to each and every one as there was need. Now, I often see uh, churches where they throw money on the, on, the, on the altar towards the pastor. And I wonder if they get that concept from Acts chapter 4, verse 35. Um, they weren't throwing money at the apostles' feet for the preacher. They were throwing money at the apostles' feet or placing it there. In our case, it would be the elders and, and the deacons and those who are responsible for making sure uh, that financial needs, when they occur, or sometimes emotional needs, that's, that's when the pastor would get involved with the counseling aspect of it, or, or maybe there's a need for a visit. They would place those, the gifts at the feet of the spiritual leadership because leadership knows best how to distribute the funds to the church. And I, I don't encourage believers to just arbitrarily start supporting ministries that you don't have any way of, of vetting, that you don't know uh, what the uh, the spiritual character uh, of ministries are, but you do know from your own church what kind of leadership we have, and so that's why we bring the funds to the leadership to manage so that the needs of those who have them are met. Now, how did the spirit of sharing impact the ministry of the church? This is the blessing. When you have a heart that is willing to meet a need based on what God has provided for you, again, he didn't tell you to give everything that you had because if you gave everything you had away, then you would have nothing for yourself and then you would be in a position where others would need to help you. And I've seen pastors who gave their last dime to people and then die without a, even a way of having a funeral. God is not telling you to give everything that you have away, but give what you can to help others and be in a position where if a need arises again, you have resources where as the need arises, you can, you can respond. Now, how, how, how did the spirit of sharing impact the church when we have that heart, when we're looking for opportunity to bless somebody, when I want to make somebody's day, when I'm just not, as the Bible says, Put the interest of others above your own. When I am acting like Jesus, I'm not full with conceit. I'm not trying to get some kind of stroking to my ego. This is about serving. This is about foot washing. This is about bringing to the forefront the love of Christ in ways that 
that are tangible through acts of love. Here's what happens when a church has a spirit of sharing. Prayers will be answered. Oh, I love this. In Acts chapter 4, verses 29 through 30, the Bible says, they, the, after Peter and John were threatened and told never to preach in the name of Jesus, they, they left and they went to the other, other church members and they said, we got to talk to God about this. We got to pray. They were sharing the gospel. They were used by the Lord in Acts chapter 3 to uh, uh, bring healing to a man uh, who had been lame for, for the entirety of his life. And they were persecuted for that by the religious leaders. And so they were told never to preach in Jesus' name. Don't be sharing Jesus. And so they, they got together in their prayer closet as a church. And here's what they pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Here it is, here it is. It says, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They prayed, Lord, give us boldness. Lord, not only boldness, but give us authentication that we will go forth with signs and, and miracles of healing. And, and the scripture says, as they were praying for opportunities to share, to bless others, First of all, with the good news of Jesus. And then secondly, however the need would arise in any given situation, the scripture says the room began to shake. I want you to understand when you have a heart to serve through giving, through sharing what God has blessed you with, supernatural things will begin to happen in your life. You'll begin to pray for people who are sick and they get healed. You'll begin to see signs and wonders working through you. Marriages will be restored. God will give you wisdom that only comes from above. God will give you divine favor and grace. Somebody say amen. If you have a heart for sharing, your prayers will be answered. Sometimes God, we don't have our prayers answered. God said, you have not because you ask not. And the reason you're not asking, you may even be praying, but God's not hearing you. He said, because you ask amiss that you may conceive it upon your own lust. That we're not praying, petitioning God for others or, 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 or interceding for others. We're praying for God to, to bless us. And oh, oh God, I don't know so much about the rest of them. Not only did their prayers get answered, the Bible says in verse 33, here's another evidence that prayers were answered. It says, with great power, the apostles continued steadfastly. They were afraid. They asked for boldness. But now the scripture says, with great power, they continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Prayers will be answered. The church will have a spirit of boldness. The resurrection ministry of Jesus that brings darkness to into brings out brings people out of darkness into the marvelous light of salvation will go forth with urgency and passion when we have a heart of sharing. Needs will be met. Lives will be transformed. The scripture says, nor was there anyone among them in lack. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do you have that type of sensitivity for others that you're not comfortable if they're not? If you think that something that's missing in their life that God has blessed you with, the scripture says none of them lacked. 
Is there something that you can do for a neighbor? It, it, can, can you cut their grass? Can you, can you give them a piece of chicken? I mean, come on, Lord. It's just, none of them lack. Maybe you can pay a, a, a bill for them, an electric bill or another utility bill. I ain't talking about their cable bill. I'm talking about an essential, like, their, their water bill. And I, you know, if you got it like that, you can get them back under control. Some people have really outrageous water bills because of neglect. I'm not saying giving to irresponsible people. I'm talking about brothers and sisters who have, who genuinely have a need. The scripture talks about what happens when the church has a heart of sharing. Needs were met that transformed lives for Jesus Christ. People's lives, the things that I can remember that people did for me when I struggled. I, I'm, not, I'm who I am because somebody was willing to say, I'm not going to leave you where you are. I'm not going to watch you struggle like this when I have a resource that can bless you. Souls were saved and Christians grew deeper in their faith with the Lord. The more you share as you're prompted by the Holy Spirit, the more intimate your relationship with Jesus will become. Supernatural signs and wonders. We already talked about that. Oh, God will just give you a freedom, a liberty in your worship because you were obedient. I, I remember uh, I, I was talking to a brother and I was just kind of joking. And uh, man, I said, well, that's a nice suit you have on. He said, you want it? I said, no, man, I don't want that suit. And the next Sunday, didn't he bring me that suit? Perfect fit, too. I didn't tell him no. But he, he, he was so... Thank you, Brother Robert Green. <laughs> I, I remember another situation where uh, I was scheduled to preach and uh, I was playing basketball, acting like I still had it, and I ruptured my Achilles tendon. Oh, if you've ever experienced that. I thought somebody had shot me. I was on the ground and the brothers kept playing, jumping over me. And, and, and then uh, it, it was, uh, I ended up getting carted off the court, court. And because I was unable to preach, uh, a, a minister had to take my place. And he knew what my circumstances were at that time in my life. And I get a knock on the door. I kind of hop down the steps with my crutches and my cast on. And it was the brother who preached for me. And he gave me the honorarium. He gave me, and this, was, this wasn't no $600, and that, that would have been enough. This was like a $1,500 honorarium. And he just, I couldn't say, he just, before I could even say thank you, he was already gone. Supernatural signs and wonders. Now, let me, let me answer the question. Who are the needy? People God has placed on your heart to bless. Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Read those verses. In this case, it actually happened to be the pastor's. And the teachers said, if you've been blessed through the word, you ought to bless those who blessed you with supernatural food. You ought to, you ought to, you ought to give love gifts. That's what the scripture says. And so uh, whoever God puts on your heart is somebody that he may be saying, share. And it's not always money. It could be a note. It could be a card. It could be a, 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 a inviting them to your home, breaking bread. 
people that have fallen on hard times. In Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35, these are people who were genuinely struggling. And without the help of the church, before there was welfare, before there was social security, before there were Catholic charities and so forth, the church met needs like this. But it wasn't just arbitrarily uh, meeting needs. These were people that were a part of the local assembly that had a, a, a track record that you could evaluate. People that cannot repay you, people that can or cannot repay you are sometimes people that God wants you, God wants you to do something for them and you don't accept anything in return. You refuse to accept a, pay, a, a, a repayment. That's the kind of person that God may be laying on your heart. Uh, people that are rich materially but poor spiritually, all things to all, Paul said, I became all things to all men to win some. There's some people who we would not minister to because we think they have everything they need. No, what shall it profit a man if you gain the entire world, but you lose your soul? And so we want to minister to those who are materially, materially rich, but poor spiritually. And here's a fifth category, and this list is not exhaustive. People that you have the resources to help, that's who you should help if they have a need. Listen to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 through 28. <clears throat> Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. If you have the resources to help, to bless your neighbor, to bless a coworker, purchase lunch or give a gift card or uh, 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 put in a good word for them, don't withhold it. Don't postpone it. Because if you don't respond as the spirit of God is leading you, then the impact of that, that the impact of the ministry doesn't have the same the same, the, the same magnitude that it would have had if you had been in lockstep with the Holy Spirit of God. We're almost finished. What can you do to, can you do to become a person that cares enough to share? I'm glad you asked. What can you do? The first thing you need to do is to surrender to the Lord. Make serving the Lord your priority. Stop making excuses. Why you? need to hold on to stuff that you, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So surrender to the Lord. Support the ministry that is feeding you with your talents and your gifts. You ought to be serving where you're being fed spiritually. You ought to be using your talents. You ought to be sharing at that church, in that ministry, in some capacity. Thirdly, stop stealing from God by withholding his ties. You will not be blessed until you surrender in the area of your ties. You will not be blessed. God actually says that in Malachi chapter three, I will curse you with a curse. I will cut holes in your pockets. You will gather it and I will blow it away. I will withhold the rain. I will make your, your life a barren place. And so don't withhold the tithe. Don't make excuses as to why you, well, when the coronavirus is over and when all the social justice stuff calms down. No, you need, God said, the tithe is mine. 
it's mine. It's really interesting that statistics show that usually in the average church, only 5% of the people tithe faithfully and the majority of the, the ministry is paid for by a very small percentage of the church. Can you imagine what would happen if the church cared enough to share the tithe the way God says that we should? Can you imagine? I mean, we might move into our new property and not be, we might be debt free. We could be debt free. I want you to understand that God begins to release supernatural things in the atmosphere when his church decides that we're going to have all things in common. No one will be lacking. We're going to meet needs as they arise. Nobody's going to have to punch us or prod us. We're going to obey the Spirit's leading and the flow of that. It will be an overflow. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of life. And it says, my cup, God says, when goodness and mercy is following us, and I really believe out of, out of a ministry of sharing, it will overflow into other people's lives. We'll have more than enough. I believe that we could actually get to the place where Moses act when he said to the people, we don't need any more. <laughs> How about that? They, the people gave so much and so freely from a heart of, uh, 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 of thankfulness that the privilege to give to the work of God that Moses had to say, we don't need any more. The treasure house is full. Now, new direction is absolutely not there. But I pray for that day. Start, and we're going to be finished with this. One, we got one more. Start gathering all of the things you have been hoarding and give them to those who are in need. Those clothes you can't fit. The ones you don't like anymore. The shoes. Taking up all that space in your closet. Gifts that you've received that you, that's still in boxes. Don't re-gift it. Just give it to, don't wait until Christmas. Give it to somebody now. Food that you would normally throw away just because you don't have an appetite for it anymore. Give it to somebody. Start gathering all the things. Think of somebody that you might be able to give a scholarship to, to school or assist a single parent with covering the cost of them, their child going to a school that would help them to come out of a, a life of generational poverty. Who can you sponsor? Share what you can with those in need. And finally, stand up for those that have no voice to 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 plead their own case. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 9 talks about advocating for those who can't speak for themselves. That's what this protest is all about and, and we're not going to talk about that today but I want you to understand that sharing is caring. Sharing, if you care, show me. If you care, show me by how you share. Uh, <clears throat> I, was, I was really caught um, amazed by the story of a young man who lived in Buffalo uh, uh, during the, uh, and this just this happened recently, a young man named Anthony Gwynn, Antonio Gwynn Jr., uh, Buffalo. We lived in, my wife and I, we lived in with the kids. We lived in Niagara Falls, New York. So I really, I know this street, Bailey Street. Here, this young man, 18-year-old man, said, young, uh, young teenager said he was watching TV and watching the peaceful protests that eventually erupted into violence where they began to break glass and, and, and damage stores and loot stores. 
And he said he was so disturbed by it that at two in the morning, he gets up out of his bed. He walks to the location with, with trash bags, brooms, and, and, and trash containers. And he begins to work from 2 a.m. And he goes 10 hours straight picking up glass and wood and, 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 and gathering it and putting it in the trash. And by the time the neighbors uh, came to the location uh, to, to uh, restore it, uh, they were surprised that most of the work had already been done by this 18-year-old who basically said, I know that people need Bailey Street to get to work, so I wasn't going to allow the glass to remain there. And so they were so impressed with this young man, his heart of sharing, his act of caring and evidence to the, 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 the things that he did, that's, that, that, that one man decided, I'm going to give this brother a car. He gave him a, 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 a 2004 custom-made Mustang, a red Mustang. And there's a story behind it. I want you to read that story. It's in Buffalo News. And then another man, uh, hearing the story, decided that this young man was so industrious and so caring and compassionate and showing initiative, he decided that the car that he was going to, he was going to need insurance. So he committed to insuring the car for a year. And then they, the news reporter said, well, what do you plan to do uh, once you graduate from uh, uh, high school? He said, well, I want, I'm going to work a couple years so I can go to college and, and pay for my college, but I want to be going to business. And someone, a, a local college, heard the interview and they decided to give this young man a fully paid four-year scholarship to go to college. Now, he didn't, his motivation was not to get a car, not to get insurance, not to get uh, a full, fully paid scholarship. He was simply going there to serve. I want you to know that it is more blessed to give than to receive. When you make up your mind to do what God says do for those who he has placed on your heart, the, the reaping of that, the harvest of that will bless you in Jesus' name. You're going to find yourself stronger in your wall, more confident in your wall. God is going to whisper things in your ear that he otherwise would not have been able to share. He won't share with selfish people. He won't share with immature people. He won't share with those who are holding on tightly to those things that were never given to us as our own, but simply entrusted to us as those who are stewards. When you have a heart to share, God will see it from heaven and you will reap. You will reap. You're going to reap a harvest, a blessing when you bless others because the bless others Blesses the heart of God. Be the church. Sharing is giving. Sharing, sharing is caring. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, as we prepare to close, <clears throat> maybe you've heard this message and the, what kind of captured your attention is what the Apostle Paul said of the believers who had contributed uh, to a a, a, um, a catastrophe that had happened in Jerusalem there was a famine in Jerusalem and he said of these believers that were, that were going through a real tough time he said the first thing they did before they gave anything they gave themselves to the Lord God doesn't want anything from your hand until he first has your heart 
And in order for God to have your heart, this is the beautiful thing about it. You have to make a choice. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved from the power, the penalty, the guilt of sin. And if you're listening to me today and you've never made a decision to say, Lord, I'm a sinner and my sin has separated from you, but thank you, God, for Jesus. That Jesus that came and he died on the cross for my sins. Thank you that he's not on the cross any longer. This same Jesus was buried in three days and he said, he would rise on the third day. And guess what he did? He rose from the dead. And because he overcame death, we can have life through him. So if you'd like to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to join me in this prayer. Just repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I need you. For I am a sinner who is in need of grace your unmerited, undeserved favor. I thank you, God, that even though I'm a sinner, you love me so much that you gave your son, Jesus Christ, as the payment for my sin debt, past, present, and future. I accept Christ as my Lord, and my Savior, I surrender myself to him and I accept the promise that if I say with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you raised him from the dead, that in that very moment I'll be saved. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me your own. Now let me continue to pray for you. Father, thank you for anyone that made that commitment uh, through prayer. You said that all of the angels in heaven are rejoicing at the return of one lost child. And so God, a party is going on in heaven for whoever said, Lord, save me. And now God, I pray that these who have prayed that prayer would make a commitment to grow. Father, I pray that they would call the church number or uh, another Christian that's been praying for them and inform them that they have trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior and ask that person to walk with you so that they can help you to grow and to become all that God wants you to be. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me give you the benediction as we prepare to close our time together in the Lord. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you. Amen. Have a, have a wonderful day in the Lord. Love you, saints.